um, she kept on having these dreams of these birds that were singing outside of her window, but it was it was dark outside. These birds kept on singing and they kept on singing, but she would wake up and they weren't they weren't actually singing. It was a dream. And she said one morning she woke up and it was still dark outside and those birds were actually singing outside of her window. And the thought hit her that that birds will sing in anticipation of the dawn, in anticipation of light coming, even though they don't see it, even though it's still dark outside. But they know that the light is going to come. They know that the dawn is going to rise. And they sing in anticipation of that, even though their circumstances around them don't give them any indication that that's actually true. You know, that's... That actually is a beautiful picture of hope because even in the darkest of night, the sunrise, dawn is coming. Welcome to the Practicing with Dr. Nathan Goodyear podcast. This podcast is your resource for a scientific-based discussion of all things cancer and beyond from a natural, holistic, and integrative perspective. It's time to teach the body how to heal. So here we go. Here we are again, another Practicing with Dr. Nathan Goodyear podcast. Really, I'm really excited about this podcast because you know, one of our focuses on this podcast is to still tell stories, to highlight journeys in this movement that is integrative cancer. You know, I've talked a lot about our focus, our purpose in integrative cancer is to return to the origins of what it means to be a physician, what it means to be a doctor. So I'll highlight that real quick again. The word physician is healer. And that's what it literally means in Hebrew, rofe. So when we approach even something like cancer, we still wanna remember our primary objective is to heal the body. So if we're introducing treatments that destroy the body, that's counter to what we are as physicians. And then that second part is the word doctor in Latin, it literally means doctor. That translates to teacher. And so what we wanna do is empower people through teaching, empower patients, empower patients so that when they go talk to them, maybe their conventional oncologist to, to say, look, there's solid science here, solid science. And there is to support that healing and that teaching strategy. And through that, we get hope. But what connects all of this are our stories, our journeys, because that, that's what life is. Life is a, a journey, a story, and we have many chapters through that. And often I tell all of our patients that, look, you're writing a chapter right now. What we want to do is we want to write a chapter that ends and then write a different chapter. We want to continue to write chapters. We want to continue to dream. And we're going to highlight a story here today of Jane Marcheski. Her dream, but actually her dream is continuing in a slightly different way. So we're going to highlight her stories her story, her journey, and how it's really impacting lives today. So today we have this story of Jane Marcheski, and we have her brother here, Mitch Marcheski. So uh, 
Mitch, welcome. Yeah, welcome. All right, yeah. welcome. It's so good to be here. Yeah, I'm happy to be yeah, here. That's okay. Now, you're from welcome the great state of Ohio, that's right? That's right. Okay. That's right. And go as back. I was joking with you yesterday, uh, you know, go Wolverines. Was that it? That's, no, no. That is no, not, not it. That is not it. Okay, sorry. For all those that I just insulted in the state of Ohio, I do deeply apologize. <laughs> 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 anyway, I always like to have fun with that. So, um, you know, so tell me, you are the CEO of the Nightbird Foundation. What, what is the Nightbird Foundation? Why, you know, why is that even exist? Yeah, so the Nightbird Foundation is a 501c3 that gives grants to young women that are going through breast cancer. And really our mission is to bring hope and to bring healing to, to women that are going through uh, that journey. And you know, I'm sure we'll talk more about this, but we, we founded it um, in honor of my little sister, Jane, who was, her stage name was Nightbird. She was on the America's Got Talent a couple years ago. Um, and had had gotten Simon Cowell's Golden Buzzer sort of in that process. But but part of her audition and part of her draw and part of why she even got the Golden Buzzer was because she had a message of hope. She had a message of inspiration and she had a message of, you know, you could get through whatever you needed to get through and you didn't need your circumstances to define how you respond. Yeah, so, yeah, there's two parts to that. I really want to help our listeners and followers understand more is one, how her, her actual story, mm-hmm. you know, because it's a story that is becoming far too common today. And a lot of people go, why, why are younger, younger women, people with, you know, turning up with cancer? And a lot of it is just very complex, but transgenerational inheritance. And basically our bodies are becoming, you know, more unhealthy every generation, but also how, and let's start off with this. How did she come up with her stage name, mm-hmm. Nightbird? Because I, I, I think it ties directly into everything about it because I don't think any of this is by chance. Mm-hmm. I think clearly there was a design behind everything that was happening in her life and even to today. Yeah. So tell me, how did she come up with that uh, stage name? Yeah, absolutely. So she, just to zoom out just a little bit, she was diagnosed with, uh, with breast cancer at 28. Um, and then she had gone through conventional treatments and sort of worked her way through um, that journey. And then she ended up passing away just a year ago uh, February uh, at the age of 31. But um, during her first round of sort of cancer treatments and going through all of that, um, she was she was a singer and she was a recording artist and she really wanted to get her music out into the world. But um, she kept on having these dreams of these birds that were singing outside of her window, but it was it was dark outside. These birds kept on singing and they kept on singing, but she would wake up and they weren't, they weren't actually singing, it was a dream. And she said one morning she woke up and it was still dark outside and those birds were actually singing outside of her window. and the thought hit her that that birds will sing in anticipation of the dawn, in anticipation of light coming, even though they don't see it, even though it's still dark outside. But they know that the light is going to come. They know that the dawn is going to rise. And they sing in anticipation of that, even though their circumstances around them don't give them any indication that that's actually true. You know, that's that actually is a beautiful picture of hope because even in the darkest of night, the sunrise, dawn is coming. And I think that, I I mean, that's beautiful. Did she she come up with that name before she was diagnosed with cancer or is it it after? It was was after she had been diagnosed. Okay, yeah, that's beautiful. And and, you know, dreams, I think dreams are powerful. Mm -hmm. And I think often, you know, you know, God speaks to us through dreams. He's speaking to, he's spoken to me through dreams. And so, you know, I think that's very, very powerful, but it really highlights pictorially, picturally, 
a hope because here she was in the darkness mm-hmm. of breast cancer at an age where people should be 28 years old. I was still trying to figure my life out. Yeah. So I was in the middle of medical school, you know, so it's like, goodness gracious. And yet she had to face that darkness and she found the sunrise in that. Mm-hmm. that that's, that's really, that's, that's really beautiful. So, so she was diagnosed 28. Uh, did she have BRCA mutations? No. no. like that. Do you remember uh, what kind of breast cancer she had or? I want to say it was her two positive. Okay. Any, any family history there? Nothing. Okay. Yeah, that's what was so surprising about it was when we got the diagnosis, it wasn't like, oh, grandma had breast cancer or mom yeah. had a scare or anything like that. It was really our first, you know, cancer, really our first cancer impact within our at least immediate family that we had, we'd experienced. Wow. Wow. Did they do genetic testing to try to figure out, I assume, and didn't see anything? Yeah, nothing came up. Okay. And so from that standpoint, she went into then conventional treatment. She did, yeah. She was in Nashville, Tennessee and went... When, you know, as most people do, they, they get diagnosed with cancer, then they go to their doctor and their doctor refers them to an oncologist. The oncologist puts them on a track and says, we're just going to, you know, we're going to do the double mastectomy. We're going to do some radiation. We're just going to get this taken care of, you know. And she got chemo alongside that. Yep. D- did she have, what stage was her initial, initial diagnosis? Do it was remember? stage two. Stage two. Okay. Yeah. So, so it ad- had not spread, at least that they knew. Correct. Beyond that. Correct. Okay. And even part of her, you know, even part of her journey as well in that was she went in because she felt a lump and her doctor initially was like, you're too young for breast cancer. Don't worry about it. Yeah. And she was just stubborn enough and she had it in her gut. She was like, I, I don't think this is this. I don't think this is it. So she, she just badgered him and badgered him and badgered him. And eventually he was like, fine, I'll biopsy it. And, <laughs> you know, and then it came back, you know. So what is it that what is that story of the Bible, the persistent widow or whatever yeah, that bags I mean, in the door of the yeah, evil judge? Knocking. You know, it keeps knocking. He's like, "Fine, I'll do it." That's right. So yeah, that was uh, <laughs> that was very much one of those situations where she had to take control of her own healthcare in that in a lot of ways in that in that space where she was like, "I know in in my gut that this is something more than that." Well, you know, there, there's a, there's even an underlying story there because that's important for for people and and the reason for podcasts like this is you know to be your own best advocate. Mm-hmm. And there she was being her own best advocate, but she was clearly driven. She was clearly empowered. She sounded like a very strong woman, mm-hmm. young woman. Yeah, It doesn't sound like that's anybody you could tell no to. She was going to, if she was called to do something, she was going to do it. You just have to get out of the way and figure out how you're going to be a part of oh, it or yeah, not. Totally. No, yeah. believe me, I've tried to stop her from doing things in the past and it just I just got I just got ran over every time. <laughs> she sounds every like time. Never met her. Watched yeah. little bits and pieces of her audition. When you see her, like she's this tiny, you know, ninety pound, like the, the, you know, short as I am, kind of little, you know. Well, they woman. say small thing, uh, big things come in small packages. Uh, that is one hundred percent correct in that. In and that so case. what she, I mean, but even big things that are from her small package of life, really time-wise. Totally. And, you know, just body frame-wise. Mm-hmm. What what she is now doing through you is really, um, you know, showing what, what can become of something that seems tragic, and it is. Mm-hmm. It is, and it's, uh, you know, it's a life too short. For sure. But at the same time, there's, a, there's clearly a divine purpose here. Mm-hmm. And it's... It's actually something to celebrate because her life is being used for something that is going to change lives. Yeah. So it's going to become exponential. 
Um, and that's why I wanted to highlight what you're doing through the Nightbird Foundation, because number one, it highlights her life. It, it, it honors her life and the strength that she showed. Um, I mean, it's, it, it's enough to see that kind of strength in somebody that's, you know, 58, mm-hmm. 68, that's lived a long life. But it's quite another to see that kind of strength. That's, that's not a physical strength that is just learned. That's something that is a gift. Mm-hmm. And it's very clear that there's an eternal purpose there. And, and that's why I wanted you to tell this story. So, so she was a musician. Mm-hmm. What, uh, she was a singer, right? Yeah. Did she play any instruments or just sing? Yeah, yeah, she played, you know, she played guitar and played piano. And, what, what was her favorite music? Her favorite music, man, that's a good question. She went through this evolution even in her musical career where she did a lot of, she went to Liberty University in Virginia and oh, she, yeah, um, and then she became kind of like a singer-songwriter, just acoustic guitar, wrote a lot of that type of stuff then. And then when she transitioned into, she moved to Nashville and she started doing a lot more pop. Okay. Like, a, lot of, a lot more pop music. So it was a really, it was really cool to see her, even her musical journey, because she was always very, very gifted in that way amazing songwriter and her voice was great. Yeah, it, it's no surprise that they, they reached out to her for America's Got Talent. Yeah, so, so I mean, the talent was there, right? For, for sure. The talent was already there. For sure. This was just a, you know, an unfortunate turn in her story mm-hmm. that, that highlighted that. So she was clearly gifted with that. So, um, so she went through chemo, she went through radiation. What, what happened after that point in her journey? Yeah, so she had gone into remission and then she started feeling, it, she, was, she was good to go for probably, I wanna say it was six or nine months, somewhere in that ballpark. And then, you know, you have the classic, like your back hurts, yeah. symptoms, and like just was, wasn't feeling great. And then, you know, went back in for scans in late 2019 and we got the results back in, it was, I think it was, it was close to New Year's Day-ish, 2020, that, you know, she was, it was stage four metastasized, you know. Where, where, had, it, where had it moved to? Uh, it was like spine, liver, yeah, all those. So it kind of had gone over. Now it was stage one or stage two initially. Now stage four. Right. And it's six to nine months there. Yeah. 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 So that was the that was the, the conversation that she had with her oncologist in um, in Nashville. Was yeah, you've got yeah, you've got six months, nine months on the high end. What did they offer her at that point? They offered her more chemo. Right. It was one of those things, but it was also the conversation of well, you have six to nine. Yeah. You know, do you want to do that on chemo or do you want to do that not on chemo? You know, that's really interesting because that's that's predicting the number of hairs on our head, right? The number of sand sand pebbles on the beach. Yeah. And I, I always joke about that because I always say, you know, I must have missed that that class or I must have fallen asleep of that class in medical school where we were taught how to play God with a little G and predict, you know, mm. predict that. And yeah. I'm like, you know, no, we, we never got that. So, mm. I, you know, I understand what they're doing, but what we, our job as physicians here is to, to give hope. It's not to tell a person what they can't do, because we've all heard many people to, oh, we can't have children. And then they end up, you know, having twins and then lo and behold, they have, you know, eight, you know, you know, you can't heal from cancer. And lo and behold, they do. You hear these stories that people are told what they can't do by doctors all the time. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I, I just really think it's important that we as physicians not just in the integrative movement, but in the conventional, because I come out of that conventional world. Mm-hmm. We need to give patients hope, be honest, be real with them. You know, yeah. she, you have a tough journey ahead. You have a tough battle ahead. But you know what? 
The body's designed to heal. Mm. Let's see what it will do. And I think that that's one of the things that does separate a natural, holistic, integrative approach from a conventional approach. Uh, we, we really want to focus on what the body can do, not what it can't. Mm -hmm. um, so, so at that point in her journey, she's basically being offered what she already got. Yeah, or nothing. Yeah, or nothing. Yeah, and then there were, you know, there were more, there were conversations around different types of chemo and that type of thing, you know, and then you have standard of care stage gates and things of that nature that played right. into that too, where even her oncologist in, in Nashville, they, she was a wonderful woman and she was working with what she had and she even said, hey, this particular drug may work, yep. you know, but, you know, your insurance company's not going to pay for this. Like you have to do this one and then you have to do this one and you have to do this one before we can get there. And, right. and she's like, we just don't have time to get there, yeah. you know. Um, so, I mean, I don't want to throw shade on, on them necessarily because they were working with what they had and they, no. did, they did what they could and all of those things. But, you know, to your point, you know, the focus was more how do we, like, how do we just sort of manage this process moving forward as opposed to how do we really empower you to, yeah. to heal and move forward as well. And that's what I was getting at, uh, Mitch, was that, you know, it's, I always try to build bridges yeah. But sometimes to build a bridge, you have to highlight something. Oh, totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and you know, one of the things here, because I love being a doctor. Mm -hmm. Being a doctor is actually being a servant. It's one of the most, it, it is it is what is one of the many things that makes me smile when I get up in the day. Mm -hmm. Seeing a patient, there there's, there's almost no better feeling in the world than seeing a patient <clears throat> that had stage four cancer than has a clean skin and mm -hmm. is in remission and no evidence of disease. And to see the joy on their face, to yeah. see to see that hope really manifested, you know, and, and so what happens when, when doctors come in, so those of you who may be listening have, that have been diagnosed with stage four cancer, the, the first emotion is fear. Mm -hmm. it, it's just fear. And so what we wanna do is, you know, you mentioned yesterday, faith over fear, mm -hmm. hope over fear. Yeah. And so that's what we want to do there. So from that, from that point, what did uh, what did Jane decide to do? Yeah. So we were. It was really an interesting turn of events, honestly, where she was connected with someone in Nashville. I can't remember who now. That <clears throat> excuse me. That what that had done some integrative care in the past, or he, either he did, or someone in his family had, and had they had seen some really amazing results come out of it. And, you know, it wasn't this like silver bullet sort of thing. Like yeah. it was, it was very much, he was like, Hey, this is, this is a whole package. Like you're changing your diet. You're changing the way that you live your life. You're, you're getting all sorts of therapies. Plus you're, we're working specifically with your cancer, yeah. you know, and all of those types of things. So, you know, at that point we had gotten connected with the cancer center for healing in Irvine, California mm -hmm. with Dr. Keneally. And so we flew her out. It was like within a three or four week time frame that we we flew her from Nashville out, I did, and then got her settled in for, I got her settled in for a couple of weeks. And then my wife went out, she was, gosh, she was probably seven months pregnant. And she came out for a month and like took care of Jane. And then my younger brother moved out full time to, oh, wow. to live with her for the for the duration of. So, I mean, this became a family affair. Correct, yeah. yeah, yeah, we all we all pitched in. And I was out probably once a month or at least once every six weeks for a week or two to just be there and to take care of her. And, driver to appointments and all those sorts of things. So even in that journey, like it's been an interesting, you know, path for me, having only known conventional, you know, my entire life, not even really seeing it integrative as even an option for 
right. uh, for anybody, you know. If you're growing up in the Midwest, it's not exactly the ubiquitous, you know, yeah. like therapy. But having going into the clinic, like learning the treatments, learning the pacing, learning the dosages, you know, it, it was really amazing to see the results of what had come out of, you know, the people that I'd met there and then even Jane's story as well. Yeah, because, you know, one of the things I always highlight is that, you know, conventional medicine is all, can also be a blessing. Oh, totally. You know, you break a hip, no doctor should tell you to take more vitamin D. Yeah. You need to surgically repair that hip. Right. You know, if you, if, if you have a, you know, myocardial infarction, a heart attack, guess what? It's, there's great learned doctors in the ER, nurses in the ER that can help protect that heart through further damage mm -hmm. so that then you can heal from that, that process. 100%. So, you know, integrative is, is, is not a anti or antithetical to conventional. Yeah. <clears throat> it is just a, a, a co a parallel, if you will, track sure. that is really just saying, we, we're going to use some conventional here, but we want to use natural and holistic here. And maybe if we use something conventional, we may use it more holistically. So it's, it's just really bringing together all these different uh, mm -hmm. treatment modalities yeah. that yeah. really are focusing not just through a disease concentric or semi disease centric model, but through really, again, that kind of focus on healing. Mm -hmm. And what's, what's interesting is like, like you were made aware, enlightened, if you will. Um, you know, a lot of people go, I first never heard of it. Yeah. Second, you mean there's science there? Mm -hmm. And that's, that's one thing that really became probably a part of her journey and a part of your journey. So how, how did that, how did that process evolve as she went through treatment? I mean, was, was it, was it seamless? Was it, was it like a, a you know, fire hose? How, how did that work? Yeah, it felt, it felt very much like a fire hose. Cause you know, it, it, obviously some of it depends on the clinics that you're in and the sure. people that you interact with and how do you get onboarded and those types of things. Like, yeah. So I'm going to, I'll set that off to the side, but the, um, it definitely felt like a fire hose. Cause we were just, I was like, just given a sheet. You know, it's like, okay, we're going to do vitamin C, then we're going to do mistletoe, and then we're going to do this injection, and then we're going to do, we're going to schedule out IPT, and then we're going to schedule, you know, and I'm like, what's IPT? Why are you, what, isn't mistletoe poisonous? Like, can't you, you can like not eat that, right? You know? So like, you're going through all of these types of things, like, and I like, had no context for them, but, you know, at the same time, like, you know, Jane had done, like, her research, she had, she had trusted people that had referred her to this specific place, and we're like, we're going to trust that this doctor knows exactly what she's doing and that she's going to take care of us in this process. So, you know, and, and even just the, like, I don't say the, I'll just use the word vibe and the, yeah. of the clinic, of the clinic itself was like, I could grab any nurse and say, Hey, real quick, can you, can you explain this to me yeah. quickly? Like, you know, why are we doing this many grams of vitamin C or yeah. why is it that I can't, Jane can't just turn up vitamin C as much as she wants to get out of there fast, you know, yeah. cause she would do that sometimes. She's like, I don't want to be here. So she'd bump it up and then she'd get real nauseous. Oh, so yeah. like, you know what I mean? <laughs> oh, so yeah. like, it, but the, but the doctors and the nurses were so kind to yeah. be able to say like, questions weren't frowned upon and I wasn't put on the defensive for asking them, nice. you know, they were very much like, oh, okay. I understand why you would be confused. That, that is a, that's actually a brilliant point because one of the things I tell, uh, I've told my kids for years now, but I, I tell all of our patients and staff as well, is that the only bad question is the one you don't ask. Mm -hmm, for sure. You know, it, it's, you know, we've gotten to the point where we feel like we shouldn't ask questions, but questions are a search for knowledge. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, it, there's a great quote I use all the time, and it's from uh, Seth Godin, which is, you know, education does a good job of teaching people how to collect dots, but not connect them. Mm -hmm. And really the way you 
transition from collect, collection to connection is through a asking questions. Mm -hmm. And so we must allow questions because questions allow learning. <clears throat> they foster curiosity and that's really what you were wanting. You wanted to make sure your sister was receiving good care. You just wanted to better understood. So hats off to, to those nurses and that staff because they really saw they saw the human nature of you, of your sister, mm -hmm. and, and sought to serve. And so that, that is a true sense of, I think, what it means to be a healthcare worker is a, mm -hmm. is a servant. Yeah. That's really what it is. Um, so, so she went through treatment, and then how did, that, how did her journey then transition from this integrative, really from conventional to integrative, then to, you know, to, uh, you know, singer, songer, writer, you know, gold star, uh, gold uh, button, all, all this stuff. How did, yeah. how did all that transition? Yeah, so she had gone through, you know, her initial sort of set of treatments. Uh, I think it was over the year, oh, it was over the year 2020 that she had uh, she'd gone through. And it, it was one of those situations where she was stage four and then she comes back clean scan. Yeah. You know, like it was within six months that she was, you know, she was bad, she was there, you know. So then it was, it was great, like that being able to have that year um, where she was feeling really good and then we uh, we went through to I'm trying to think of the timeline because it's all just like it feels like an eternity and it feels like that like all oh, yeah. at once you know um, she had a she did she came back she had some scans come back that were bad but I think that was after America's Got Talent so yeah we she kind of gone through she was she was feeling good and then I think America's Got Talent reached out to her and and wanted her to to audition for the show um, for whatever reason I don't even I don't even know why they did but they did. And so in, in April of 2000, I think it was April of 2021, she was on, uh, she went on and, and, and auditioned. So, so obviously when, you know, America's Got Talent, they had, you know, the kind of the, the season early highlights of the auditions, and I'm sure she was featured there. What, what did she sing? Yeah, so she sang an original song. It was, okay. it was called It's Okay. Uh, it was a song that she had written a couple, I think a couple of years prior. And what's funny about that even too, is that typically when you're on those shows, they don't want you to sing original songs. Oh, they don't. They, because they want, they, because they want the person to be judged on one thing, not two. So like, you go on, it's like, okay, we're being judged on your voice and performance, you know, but we're also now judging the quality of whatever this is that yeah. you're singing. Yeah, what you you're know. writing. And, yeah, yeah, so like, why would you muddy the waters? Yeah. You know, why don't yeah. you sing like, Makes sense. Yeah. you know, just sing some Celine Dion song and just like, just be you and let the song carry itself. Right. You know, but I think she really wanted her song to be highlighted. And I think she was really confident in singing that song too. Like, it, you know, it fit her voice, it fit who she was and all of those things. So, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm backtracking on the timeline. I, f I think that she had gotten scans back that did show that she still had cancer in her spine and her liver um, before the audition because she mentions it on the audition that, okay. that she had, that she still had tumors. Um, but yeah, so then when she was on the show, she was her, I mean, as, as, as many people did see it and watched it, and I'm sure we'll link to it, but it, it uh, you know, her, the thing that set her apart <clears throat> part wasn't just her song, it wasn't just her voice, it wasn't just, you know, just the performance itself. It was really that she had this message of, like her, her line was, you don't have to wait until life isn't hard anymore before you decide to be happy. Mm. Like that was her, the kind of her iconic line that came out of that. And that line like just resonated everywhere. It's like I sit with people all the time and that, and they butcher the quote. They always start it with, you can't wait until life isn't hard. And then they say something in the middle. Okay. They say, before you decide to be happy or 
we've decided to choose joy or decide you know decide to do those things and just her her mindset her like the way that she presented herself and the the fact that she was saying like I don't have to allow my circumstances to define the way that I react wow. you know like I don't have to do that and it ties it ties into the nightbird thing like I don't have to let the darkness around me keep me from singing yeah. you know and so really that's what set her apart I think from an audition perspective and that's really what I think transformed a lot of people's lives in hearing that um, even today yeah so basically the way she approached life is sunrise is just a few minutes away oh yeah the sunlight is just right there and that that is I mean that that's wisdom at a young age totally that's <clears throat> it's not wisdom that's learned mm-hmm. that's that's a wisdom that's gifted to her that's that's that, that's that's incredible so um, and that's why she touched so many lives at that point right because she obviously clearly spoke to so many people yeah. at that at that moment but it was her voice it was her song that gave her that platform and unfortunately it was her journey mm-hmm. that gave her that platform to really show that she chose hope yeah she didn't choose fear you know my, my pastor often tells us fear will come on us that's just life mm-hmm. but we can choose to let fear come in us and control us yeah so fear in many ways is a choice to let it control us right and what she was saying is no i choose hope mm-hmm. and really that night bird that those dreams are just emblematic of that. Yeah, I mean, and, and that's, you know, when you look back on life, sometimes when you're in the midst of life, you can't recognize what's happening. What, mm. What's the purpose? What's the design in all of this? And then when you look back on it, you go, oh, there's the dot connecting to the dot, connecting to the dot, connecting to the dot. Mm-hmm. Now, we may not like where those dots end. Right. But the designer of those dots is taking it to a future that is much bigger than what we can imagine and think about. And that's really what, you know, I think her story is highlighting because now her story transitions into a different phase. Mm -hmm. So tell me how she went from this, you know, just beautiful song. And it was very emotional. You know, I think I called it the golden button. It's the golden buzzer. Buzzer, yeah. Yeah, buzz. yeah buzzer. <laughs> <laughs> been, I've been a little bit yeah. of removed from that. Oh, we used yeah, to yeah. watch it with all our kids. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and I'm sure we watched that one, but um, the golden buzzer. So how did she move from that point mm-hmm. then to a foundation? Yeah. And then where you are today and where we are today. Yeah, totally. So in kind of in that <clears throat> in that aftermath of the golden buzzer, you know, it was it was just crazy. Like we you know, she was number one on iTunes, that song that she'd sang for like three or four or five days in a row, and she was, you know, charting in different countries and it was crazy. Like with literally overnight success kind of situation, you know. But then her her health took a turn in the in the months following and she had to drop out of the competition altogether. So that was sort of the way that that had played itself out where she just, I think, I really think the Lord empowered her to be able to sing as well as she did during that time that she was on the show because by the time we got, you know, six weeks out from then, like she was coughing, she was struggling to sing, she was struggling. Like it was, it was, it was, it was difficult. And you know, like her treatments would continue. They, They were almost like a, the treatments kept the status quo was kind of where we started to get. Where it was like we weren't making forward progress, but she wasn't deteriorating. She was treading water. It was treading water. Yeah, you know, 
Um, but so really the only reason why we were able to pursue an integrative path, and, and this, you know, this ties into why we even started the Nightbird Foundation, is because we had set up some GoFundMe pages to try to, to raise money so that Jane could go to an integrative clinic. Like we're not wealthy people, we're from Zanesville, Ohio. Like we're just not, yeah, we're not, we are just Midwesterners, you know? Yeah. Tried and, and true red blood America. Uh, that's right, yeah, that's right. So we're just, we just like, we, you know, we're not poor, but we're not, we don't have, yeah. you know, we don't have 150 grand laying around, yeah. you know, to, to fly my sister to California and just let her like live there and also get treatments. So we had set up some crowdfunding and um, and we raised just like hundreds of thousands of dollars through that through those those avenues. And it really it's because of the generosity of of, th of tens of thousands of people all over the world that Jane was able to survive as long as she did. And so we had a lot of that money still there as she were, as we were going through her treatments and even in the aftermath of the Golden Buzzer, uh, you know, show. I say aftermath as if it's bad, but like in the yeah. you know what I'm saying, like right after that. And Jane and I were sitting in, we were sitting up in San Clemente actually, and the, we were talking about what are we going to do with all of this crowdfunding money, like once you get better, like that was the conversation that she and I were having. Because it was never, like I never really had it in my mind, and I don't think she did either, that she was going to pass away, right. like at least not soon. I mean, I mean, none of us get out of here alive, obviously, so yeah, like we're, right. you know, but like we didn't think it was going to be this quick. So we had talked about it, and we thought, you know what, like, we should set up a foundation to help other women just like Jane who want to get integrative treatments but can't afford them. Because there's, there's, there, I know, I know, I know that there are hundreds and thousands and tens of thousands of Janes out there in the yeah. world right now that are diagnosed young, that maybe want to go down an integrative path and don't have the funding to do it. Um, but the, so that conversation with Jane was just kind of like, it was like a little blip in the radar because it was, it was this once you get better idea. Yeah. So we weren't going to set it up right away. We were like, okay, once you get better, yeah. then we'll set this up. So then fast forward, you know, I think it was almost eight months. <clears throat> she passed away uh, in February of 2020. So they told her six to nine months. How long did she live after that point? Uh, a little over two years. Okay. Wow. Yeah. Wow. What was her quality of life there? Oh, it was, it was so high. Like she was, you know, I, we, whenever I would come out, like she wasn't, you know, running marathons or anything, right. but like. You know, I, I can't do that. I can't right do it either. I yeah, I mean, you know, but like at the same time, like we were, it was the quality of life was was high. Like you know, we walked down to the beach, or we would go to we we'd go to the store, we'd go do our stuff. Like she was able to write and to sing and to play her wow. piano, and like so the, the quality of life for those two years was was extremely high. Um, obviously, towards the end, you know, things started deteriorating, you know, and those sorts of, those sorts of things. Her energy levels were low, and her ability to to really to move and go. Um, you know, started to decline, but you know, like in my mind, the generosity of all of those people allowed like Jane to go to an integrative clinic, which allowed her to live for, live long enough, like li to change the world. Basically to double, at least double what she was told. Oh, totally. And to, to do so in a high quality of life. And honestly, what happened is she's now impacting lives. Yeah. Really, and she will for generations. Mm. And, and that's the eternal design, you know, that seems to go, well, this is, this is tragic, and it is. Yeah. But there's going to be a whole lot of good. Yeah, absolutely. That comes out of this, absolutely. you know, because, and it's unfortunate because, you know, health insurance doesn't typically cover integrative medicine, um, you know, and we don't want to dive down that rabbit hole. Mm -hmm. But 
and, and but a lot of patients want access to integrated medicine, natural, holistic, integrated medicine. But like you said, so many patients, they don't have the funding and they don't know where to begin. They don't know how to do that mm -hmm. and that process. So that's, is that how and what this, you know, what's the mission of the Nightbird Foundation? Yeah, absolutely. So after Jane had passed away in, in, in 2022, we like the, the, one of the first things that popped in my mind was like, we've got to set this foundation up. Like we've got to do, we've got to help, you know. And because uh, because I knew that we still had like estate money that was that was there. I knew we had some like even the money that was coming in from the, you know, from her merchandise sales and her music sales and things of that nature. So I got with my dad and with our family and we had decided that we were going to set up the Nightbird Foundation, which is a 501c3. And we're using um, the revenues from or the profits from her music, from her merchandise sales, from all of those things to fund uh, the organization right. so that her music and her life and her legacy continues to fund. But what we do to answer your question is, uh, is we want to bring hope and healing uh, to young women that are going through their breast cancer journey, primarily through these integrative clinics. Um, so the conversation that we've been having with, you know, different clinics is saying, you know, like we're trying to find young women that want to go down this path and we want to, we want to help them in that, in that journey. Um, as they walk through it, you know, primarily because, like you said, there's, you know, the unless your parents are super wealthy or you're, you know, a CEO of a of a SaaS company in Silicon Valley and you're 28 and you're millionaires, like you're not going to be able to, to to walk down that path. And 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 I just I can't get past the idea that like there there are other Janes out there. Like my little sister is out there somewhere in somebody else's family mm. that doesn't have the fun, that doesn't have the the blessing of a of a GoFundMe with hundreds of thousands of dollars that doesn't have the blessing of a family situation that's going to be able to support them and to help them and to walk through that with them that doesn't even have the blessing of access to an integrated facility for them to be able to go through their journey you know in a way that's not destructive and that's really my driver is that you know like I miss Jane every day you know we're 20 months apart she was my best friend my entire life and so thinking that there are other Janes out there in the world that that don't have access the same way that we did really drives me to want to help them. So basically the Nightbird Foundation is going to use, is using her life, her story, her hope yeah. to help people that are facing their darkest night to reach their morning yeah. sunrise. That's right. I mean, it, it, it's an, it's, that is truly her story and now your story and this foundation story, I think is, people might look at it and say, that's tragic, but it's just as with that darkness, light comes with that, that night bird. Yeah. It, the tragic turns to hope. Boy, so it, it, it is the exact parallel, darkness to light, mm -hmm. tragedy to hope. Yeah. And, and now you're carrying that hope on you're carrying that sunrise to you know a zenith high in the sky to really impact lives, not just for the immediacy, but you know hopefully for generations to come. Yeah. So I, that's why I thought you know it's 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 vital for you to tell your story because I think your foundation is a calling. I don't think it's just a you know circumstance, a happenstance. Mm -hmm. I think this is clearly a, a eternal design that now is being passed on to you. So how can people who hear this see this? First of all, they can still access her music and Correct. and listen to to her music, etc. Yeah, um, and so that would then in turn, you know, help to fund some of the foundation, right? Correct. 
How can listeners that want to maybe find out more about the foundation donate to the foundation? How can they how can they be involved? Yeah, absolutely. So we're on we're on all this all your social media platforms. It's night you know Nightbird Foundation, Nightbird with an E. Uh, foundation. You can go to nightbird, found, nightbirdfoundation.org uh, to learn about what we're doing and what we've done. Uh, we supported a young woman already. Uh, we extended her life by by a little over a year wow. um, already, and that was a that was a really that was a really meaningful thing for us to be able to do. You know, she was able to reconcile with her her dad that she hadn't seen in 15 years. She she came to faith in that year. Um, so like even the fact that we're we might just, we might be buying people 12 months, or we might be buying people 24 months, but like. Like in Jane, like in Jane's case, you can change the world in 24 months. Yeah, like you you can do that. And so, the nightbirdfoundation.org is uh, is where you can go. And then yeah, any any of the merchandise that you purchase or any of the music that you pre-order or that you listen to, all like all the profits are being funneled into the Nightbird Foundation, so that Jane's voice and Jane's legacy and Jane's mission isn't just this like good feeling that we all have, right. but it's a tangible place. Where people are getting tangible results uh, in their in their lives. Well, you know, you are, as I mentioned, you you are you are part of that sunrise, and, and as that sun, you know, as that sun just uh, rises higher in the sky, you know, hope just gets brighter and brighter and brighter. So, Mitch, thank you for what you're doing. I hope uh, hope this has helped to highlight Jane's story, mm-hmm. Jane's life, and really her legacy. Yeah. And that's what you're doing is you're carrying that on, but. You're doing so not just in a short time frame, but really, you know, a legacy of generations to come. So, Mitch, thank you for what you're doing. Thank you for the foundation, and uh, I look forward to uh, working you in any way we can in the future. So, sure. Mitch, hey, thank you for having me. You bet. So, Dr. Goodyear here. We're going to close up this uh, episode of Practicing with Dr. Nathan Goodyear. So, check us out, of course, on the podcast wherever you download or stream your podcast. Also check us out at our website, drgoodyear.com. That's just as it is, drgoodyear.com. Check us out on Instagram, dr.goodyear, and look for new information coming to you soon. Information of hope, healing, teaching, all around and through integrative medicine, not just in the treatment of cancer, obviously that's primary, but also to focus on that, that goal of healing to restore wellness, because that's what it means to be a physician. We will talk to you very soon. For more information, just like what we discussed today, I encourage you to follow us on YouTube as well as all of your favorite audio streaming platforms. And in there, we'll talk about all things related to healing, wellness, cancer, and much, much beyond because it doesn't just apply to cancer. Our goal here is to turn to healing, restore health, and promote your wellness whether that greatest obstacle to wellness being cancer or any other named disease. Our goal is your wellness. I'm Dr. Nathan Goodyear, and enjoy our future podcast at Practicing with Dr. Goodyear.